0: When I was in college, I, I had a lot of friends that played soccer. I did not play soccer. Uh, a lot of those friends, they, they lived in the gym. They enjoyed training. They enjoyed being in the gym. I had no idea what to even do in the gym. Uh, usually, plug your ears, Dad. Usually in high school, I would skip gym class. Um, we called ourselves the gym class ditchers. Um, but there, there's one day one of my buddies in college, he's like, hey, why, why don't you come to the gym with me, and I was like, the gym. I don't know what to do with the gym. Why would I would I go and just sit and watch? That's weird. He's like, no, j- just come. I'll show you what to do, and uh, you know, you'll be fine. I was like, all right, I'll go to the gym. I'll get shredded. No big deal. Um, so I go with him to the gym, and he's showing me what to do. Not so bad at first. Um, eventually, though, I feel like I'm about to die. I feel pain. I feel discomfort. I'm questioning my decision of, of coming. Uh, and then eventually he says, oh, okay, we're, good job. I was like, oh, cool, because I was about to pass out. Um, so I get up and I, I grab some water and I start heading for the door. And he's like, where are you going? i said, like, well, we're leaving, right? We're going back to the dorm. You said we're done. You said, good job. He said, no, that was just stretching. We got a whole nother workout routine to do I was like there's more it's like yeah like we haven't even got to the 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 bulk of it yet and I'm like I I feel like I'm about to fall apart and you want me to do more I'm feeling pain I'm feeling discomfort and he's saying work through it it's like work through it if I'm feeling pain why would I want to keep working that makes me want to stop right um But then he goes on to give me a lecture about why stretching is beneficial and uh, the soreness is beneficial because eventually it becomes easier and all this and that. But I didn't want to hear it. All I wanted to do was leave. And then the next morning I woke up, I was sore from head to toe. I was walking around like a zombie from The Walking Dead, trying not to feel that discomfort, trying not to feel that pain. Um, But he was right, though. That, that stretching, it, it does help. It, it does give you benefits to when you are working out and loosening up your muscles, but making you stronger, things like that. Things that I still don't know anything about, but sounds great. Um, but I thought, it, I thought about it, and imagine if, if you go to exercise or you go to the gym, um, and you stop right when it gets uncomfortable. You stop right when you start to feel pain, right when you get a cramp or st- something like that. You don't work through it, you just stop. Are, are you achieving your goal? Are, are you doing what you set out to do there at the gym um, by avoiding the pain, avoiding the discomfort, avoiding the soreness? And it, it makes me think about life sometimes. Sometimes life seems like a one long sh- session of stretching, Right? We experience um, all this kind of uncomfortable, awkward situations maybe with people uh, that kind of stretch us. Uh, We experience situations with people that leave us in pain, right? We experience hurt in relationships that leave us in discomfort. We feel a sense of soreness as a result of our inability to let go sometimes. We get to the point where we feel like life, everything about life is just stretching us. So do we search for an easy way out? Do we just stop? Once we start to feel that discomfort, once we start to feel that pain, do we just say, hey, I'm good, no more, I'm done. Um, Can we find a way that won't stretch us, a way that will help us avoid all that soreness, all that discomfort and all that pain? And and the question is, is, is stretching in life just as beneficial as it is in exercise? As we stretch in life, are we gaining anything? Are, are we being strengthened as we work through it? Does, does God really want us to suffer? It, it, can we just avoid it all? What's the goal? What's the goal of our stretching in life? Enduring that soreness, endure, enduring that discomfort, and enduring that's, that pain, man. Is there a reason to go through it? What's the goal? At the end of Mark chapter 8, We find Jesus stretching the lives of the disciples. As my dad mentioned last week, um, during this time, Jesus was letting his disciples, 12 disciples, know some things that were going to be happening within the next year. Here's what the Bible says. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Now, now why was this a stretch for the disciples? Why was this bringing the pain and and discomfort? Moments before this, Peter, um, he had just confessed to Jesus that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah sent by God. And Jesus, he complimented Peter for this. He said, good job, Peter. God revealed this to you. Uh, But now here Jesus was saying those three words, suffer, rejected, and killed. Uh, Back then in Jesus' time, uh, people, they believed that the Messiah was gonna come and be some sort of national superhero, right? Some kind of hero that's gonna come and strike down the Roman Empire, that's gonna vindicate vindicate God's people and and take the throne and, and be king over all the nations. And so as they heard those words, suffer, rejected, Killed, uh, that doesn't go with Messiah. That sounds like weakness. Messiah should stand for, for strength. So now Peter is taking Jesus to the side. Yo, Jesus, babe. And you remember earlier when you said that God had revealed some things to me? <laughs> well, God's revealing some things to me now. And all those words that you're using, uh, don't say that. Don't say kill. Don't say rejected. Don't say suffered. Uh, that's not gonna happen. Peter was offended. So he's telling Jesus, don't say those things. Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan. Have you heard that before? Jesus refers to Peter as Satan as if Peter was attempting to discourage him, as if Peter was trying to keep him from going to the cross. And the crazy thing is, just minutes before, Peter had spoken for God, right? claiming Jesus to to be the Messiah. And now all of a sudden he speaks as a messenger of Satan and, and Jesus calls him out on it. Sometimes our need and our desire to be right can be our downfall, right? We think we're being messengers of God, but in reality, we're speaking from our own pride and we're sending a message from Satan, The disciples were being stretched. They were starting to feel the pain, the discomfort, the soreness, starting to be confused by what Jesus was telling them about his death. I'm sure that's part of what caused Peter to say those things to Jesus, right? His fear leads him to try and avoid the stretching. So he rebukes it, right? Trying to avoid the pain and the discomfort of it all. But Jesus knows what the true goal is. My son, the other day, my seven-year-old son, David, he rebuked me. Um, he, uh, I had the audacity to mention that he ever liked cocomelon. Do you know what cocomelon is? He was offended. He said, dad, I don't like cocomelon. I like violence. It's like, whoa, David, you cannot say that. That's gonna get you sent to the guidance counselor pretty quick if you say something like that. Um, I say, don't say violence, say action, say adventure. And he says, why? And I was like, well, violence is hurting people. Uh, has anything ever good come from hurting people? Well, no, he said. Would you get in trouble if you hurt someone? Well, yeah, he said. Well, and I said, well, that's what violence is. It's hurting people. And it doesn't just hurt the person. It hurts you as well because there are consequences. And he says, dad, that, that's not my, what I meant. I would never wanna hurt someone. I said, but I know that, but it's my responsibility to make sure you know what you're talking about because our words matter. Uh, I wanna make sure you know what you're saying so that you're not saying something negative that could be misunderstood, but instead you're saying something positive that could be easily understood. It was pretty much a uh, Danny Tanner moment from Full House. I'm pretty sure I, I heard soft piano music playing in the background as I had that heart-to-heart with my son. But he was offended, right? He, he, he tried to think of the exact opposite of melon, and he came up with violence. Um, but you wanna offend me, I'm gonna offend you right back, right? Often in life, we get offended. Often in life, that stretches us. We feel the pain, we feel the discomfort, we feel the soreness and we try to rebuke it. One minute, we're messengers of God. The next minute, we're messengers of Satan. One minute, we're here worshiping, praising God. So happy to be here. The next minute, we're out, and we're telling someone that they're wrong on Facebook, using words that sound more like violence than than love. There's an author and speaker that I love named Carlos Whitaker. Recently on his podcast, he said, we are so quick to punish. And I love that word that he uses, punish. That's what it feels like. We're so quick to punish nowadays. Sometimes we just need to slow down and listen and think before responding. And it's true, we get so wrapped up in the stretching, right? We get so wrapped up in being offended, so wrapped up in someone disagreeing with us that we want to punish them sometimes instead of love them. What's the opposite of cocoa melon again? Violence. What's the opposite of love? Hate, right? Slow down, what is hate going to solve? Does anything good come from hate? What if in the midst of the stretching, right? What if in the midst of the soreness, the discomfort and the pain, what if we work through it? We don't give up, but we work through it. We don't run from it, we don't rebuke it, but we work through it. In the midst of being offended, we don't punish. We swallow our pride, we work through it together with love, not with violence, not with hate, but with love. Six days after Jesus had told the disciples that he would have to suffer, he would be rejected, and he would be killed, he chooses three of his disciples to go on a little excursion. He he takes Peter, James, and John, and they start traveling up this, this mountain. And you can imagine the disciples are still reflecting on what Jesus had told them, right, merely just a week ago. The soreness may be causing them to walk with a a lack of confidence. Maybe the pain and discomfort is causing their hearts to be a little uneasy and their minds a little uneasy as well. Once they get to where they're going, the Bible says Jesus takes some time to pray. And as he's praying, his appearance changes. Here's what the Bible says. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. In the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus's face was shown like the sun. The text uses the word transfigured, right? And the Greek translation comes from the word metamorpho, like metamorphos to change form, a change on the outside, which comes from the inside. It wasn't like there was just a, a light pointed on Jesus, right? The light was coming from inside Jesus and was clearly visible on the outside of Jesus. It was not a masquerade. It, it was not simply cosmetic. It was something being worn on the outside, but it was not something being worn on the outside, but something on the inside shining through. The, the, the three disciples, they look upon Jesus They're no longer seeing this this humble man, this ordinary man that they've known for the past two years. They're seeing this glorious king, this king in splendor shining with God's divine glory shining through him. Suddenly next to Jesus, the disciples see Moses and Elijah. They can probably hardly believe their eyes because these two men have been dead for hundreds of years. Maybe they glance at one another to to make sure they're awake and that they're experiencing the same thing. Uh, The disciples are unsure of what to do, unsure of what to say, and they're a little terrified. Something clicks in in Peter's head and he opens his mouth before thinking, um, there's Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. This is Jesus's true form. Why leave? Here's what the Bible says. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Let's just live here now. This looks like a good spot to me. You remember all that talk about being rejected, all that talk about having to suffer, all that talk about having to be killed? Forget about that. Let's just stay here. You stay just like that, shining like a sun. No one's going to mess with you. Then let's just stay here. Peter, once again, speaking without thinking, he's not thinking of the big picture, right? He's thinking of no discomfort, no pain, no soreness. He's not seeing the big picture shining like the sun right in front of him. And I feel like I've been in that same situation too many times in my life where I've opened my mouth when I shouldn't. I look for the easy way out and try to avoid being stretched, not realizing that the soreness, the discomfort and the pain, that it had a purpose and that was strengthening me to aid me in achieving the goal. The goal, what what is the goal? I've mentioned the goal a couple times. Do you know the goal? Do you you think Peter knew the goal? I'm sure Jesus might've rebuked Peter again, but before he could, a giant cloud surrounded them. It, It was the presence of God. As the disciples are surrounded by God's glory, they hear his voice. Here's what the Bible says. Then a cloud appeared and covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Then just like that, they're all alone. The three disciples and Jesus, everything back to normal. As they trekked back down the mountain, I'm sure they struggled to wrap their heads around what just happened, right? I'm sure the voice of God rang in the disciples' ears. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. I wish that voice would ring in my ears constantly. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Maybe at this point they finally realized what Jesus was saying was true that that he would suffer, he would be rejected, he would be killed, but that's not the end, right? Three days later, he would rise from the dead. Maybe that's why Jesus brought them to the mountaintop to show them his true form that no matter what he had to endure, no matter what, he would still be in control, and that no matter what, he would rise. Again, and that no matter what, how much, no matter how much they had to stretch, no matter how much soreness, dif- discomfort, or pain they experienced, they could work through it and become stronger in the end because of the goal. Again, with the goal, what is the goal? Uh, the goal of our stretching, enduring the soreness, right? And enduring that pain. What can we work through it for and why? Imagine Peter's perspective, Right? Let's just stay on the mountaintop. Let's not worry about all the discomfort, all all the pain. Let's just stay far from the suffering, far from the discomfort. That's the goal. Avoid it. Avoid the awkwardness. Avoid feeling uncomfortable. That's what Peter thought at first. But had Jesus done that, think about this had Jesus done that, had Jesus stayed on the mountaintop, he would not have gone to the cross. Without the cross, we ourselves, we would have no grace. We would have no sacrifice. We would have no love. We would have no way to a relationship with God. Jesus' grace, sacrifice, and love for us, it is vital. The stretching that we experience is vital. Defeat wasn't an accident, right? Defeat was the path that Jesus chose so that he could get to the goal. Jesus said, No one takes my life from me. I give it up freely. Jesus chose it for you and for me. So we can't find our own mountaintops either, right? We can't simply avoid it all. And I'll stay with me here. What if, what if we could work through that soreness and we could find grace? Right? What if we could work through that discomfort? And we could find sacrifice to give. What if we could work through that pain and we could find love to give? Is that worth working through? I'd hope so, right? Is that worth the stretching? Does that lead to the goal? When I was in college, I I went to a Christian college So I did what a lot of people do when they go to a Christian college and uh, they get married really quick. Um, So I got married when I was in college. That marriage did not work out. Uh, She ended up falling out of love with me, falling in love with someone else, having an affair and leaving me for that man. And that that was a, a time of stretching, right? That was a hard time, no way around that. But God used the discomfort, he used the pain, he used the soreness and and made me stronger. And that seems like a lifetime ago, that seems like a different life. That doesn't even seem like my life. Now I'm so thankful for where God has brought me and where he took me from there, where he led me to Puerto Rico, where I met my beautiful wife Miriam and with whom I have my two amazing sons. And I can't imagine my life any different because God is so, so good. But about 12 years after that failed marriage, I get a random text message. One of those text messages that you just kind of stare at for a while. You read it about four or five times, trying to think, is this real? Is this happening? But it was the man from the affair, from the failed marriage. The text message is reading, hey, this is so and so. I bet you're surprised to hear from me. I, Uh, I I really understand if if you don't even respond to me, but there are some things that I feel like I should have said to you a long time ago that I I would like to say to you now. So if you are willing to meet with me, I, I would like to meet with you and say those things. I said, this is some reality TV show stuff going on right here. This is some 90 day fiance stuff going on in my life and I have no idea how to handle it. I have no idea how to respond to this. And I just keep thinking, how uncomfortable is that gonna be, right? How weird is that gonna be? How awkward am I gonna feel? And I'm an introvert, so if my brother could ask me to meet one-on-one, I'll be like, ah, what are we gonna talk about? So I didn't know, I called my wife and she is loving it. She's loving the reality TV. She's wanting me to tell her everything. She's like, what are you gonna do? I said, I don't know. She's like, okay, well, good luck. Boop. Like, what? Okay, I'm going to call my dad. Dad knows what to do. I always call dad when I'm in trouble. Tell dad everything. He's surprised. He's like, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I don't know." He said, "Okay, good luck." Boop. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so I stared at the message for a little bit longer, not knowing what to do, thinking it's going that would be so uncomfortable. That would be so awkward. And I bring up the delete button. I think, "Man, I'll just delete this." Right? He he said, I don't blame you if you don't respond. Delete it, out of sight, out of mind. I stay on my mountaintop, go on with my life. No cares in the world. But then I started to think, if I've truly forgiven this man, if I have truly forgiven this man and I delete this message, then where is the grace? Where is the sacrifice? Where is the love? So I replied, I said, yo, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> my life is good. I'm happy. I've, I've moved on so far on from all of that stuff. Um, I've forgiven you. I hold no ill will against you. If, you. if you're doing this for me because you feel like I need this for my own personal healing, I, I, I promise you I'm good. But... If this is something that you need, if, if this is something that you need for your own personal healing, something you need for you to be able to move on, then I, I'm willing to meet with you. And I send it and eventually he replies and um, he says, yeah, I, I do feel like this is something I need. I, I feel like it's something I need to, to do. I said, okay, let's, let's do it. Just let me know. And then this thing called the pandemic happened. You guys heard about that? Uh, so we did not end up getting, get to meet, um, to meet up, but uh, I, I'd still be willing to do it now if, if, if it came up. Um, but why reply? I kept. Why would I reply? Why would I respond, right? The, the world society today is telling me that this man is my enemy, right? Why give him... The time of day Let's just go on with my life. Stay on my mountaintop. Don't even worry about it. Don't look at the discomfort. Don't look at the pain. Don't think about the awkwardness. Don't think about being uncomfortable. Why even give it a second thought? Well, because the truth is Jesus, he gave me a second thought. When he bore my sin and shame, I was on his mind. I was on his mind when he was rejected and he suffered I was on his mind when he was punished and put on the cross to die. He was not thinking about the discomfort. He was not thinking about the pain. He was not thinking about the soreness. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about the goal. Because of Jesus, oh Jesus, because of Jesus, I wanted this man that wronged me not to feel punished. I wanted this man to feel grace. Because of Jesus, I wanted this man to feel sacrificed so that he would not be far from God. Because of Jesus, I wanted this man to feel love, real love, the same love that Jesus has called us to have for everyone, even the people considered to be our enemies, even the people that offend us, even the people that disagree with us, real love. deleting it, not responding, staying on my mountaintop instead of working through it for love, for, the, for Jesus, for the person, that would lead to hate, right? And that would lead to more pain. Does that lead to the goal? So what's the goal? Hate sent Jesus to the cross, right? Was the cross the goal? The goal was not the cross, The cross was not the end. Amen? Amen. The cross was the path to the goal the path that led to the forgiveness of sins, the path that led to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the path that led to the defeat of death, the path that led to the glory of God. That is the goal. The glory of God, that should always be our goal, bringing glory to God. It's not about our pride, it's about his glory. It's not about our comfort, it's about his glory. Sometimes it stretches us though, right? Sometimes it brings soreness, it brings discomfort, it brings pain. Jesus said to follow him, we're gonna have to take up our own cross. Why did he bear the cross for us? Love. Why should we bear our cross? Why should we endure the pain and the discomfort and the soreness? Why should we work through it? Love. Not for ourselves, but so that people might see the glory of God. The glory of God is reflective, right? Remember the presence of God in the cloud surrounding the disciples? Remember the glory of God shining through Jesus? That same light lives in us and we can share it and we can, we can strengthen it, but it cannot be a masquerade. It cannot be fake, it cannot be cosmetic, It can't be something simply worn on the outside, right? It has to be real. It has to be lived out, clearly heard in our words, clearly seen in our actions. It can only come from the Holy Spirit. It can only come from the inside, shining so bright that it lights up the outside. Jesus shining bright through our eyes, leading us with love for everyone. Rich Mullins once wrote, these days, and it's so funny because the these days that he was talking about was 1980 something. But these days I need to, whew, these days I need more than just a line about Jesus. These days I need more than just a line about Jesus. I need to see his love. Imagine telling someone about Jesus, but not living out the love he has called us to. The prophet Isaiah said this, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. We can be beacons. The light that can draw people into the cloud, into the glory of God, but not with hate, not with soreness, not with discomfort, not with pain. We have to work through it. And because of Jesus, we can work through the soreness and find grace for those who wrong us. Because of Jesus, we can work through the discomfort and find sacrifice for those who are far from God. Because of Jesus, we can work through the pain and we can find love For everyone, because of Jesus, we can arise in his glory and be a light, but we must awake, we must arise, we must act. We must draw close to him and feel the warmth of his light so that it may shine through us. As we become cross bearers and we bring glory to God and that glory is reflected back on us in the eyes of the people around us, which will lead them to him. Though we are stretched in life, though the soreness, discomfort, and pain will inevitably come, right? It's coming. We don't have to avoid it, though. We can work through it for the grace, for the sacrifice, and for the love. And in those moments, when when we question, well, why should I work through it? We can ask ourselves this question, who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? If I don't work through it, who gets the glory? If I hit delete, who gets the glory? If I'm quick to punish, who gets the glory? If I respond with hate, who gets the glory? If I choose to stay on my mountaintop and avoid it all, who gets the glory? My friends, if it is not leading to God getting the glory, then it is not worth it. It should always lead to the glory of God. Let me tell you something. When my sons look me in the eyes. Oh my gosh. When they look me in the eyes. I don't, I don't want them to see violence. I don't want them to see hate. I want them to see a light. I want them to see a light that's coming from inside of me. A, a, a light that's coming directly from God. A light leading them with love. A light leading them to God. And I pray that my enemies. When they look me in the eyes. That they see the same light. I pray that the people I disagree with. When they look in my eyes. That they would see the same light. I pray that the people who offend me, when they look in my eyes, they would see the same light, not for my glory, but for the goal, the glory of God. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.